This is M.I.P. With Masamela Mafuma. Mark Thompson. Get woke. Get ahead of postage rate increases this year with Stamps.com. It's like your own personal post office. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com code PROGRAM. God bless you all. Time for another edition of our favorite segment, Thursday Coast, with the founder of the largest online progressive community, DailyCoast.com, the host of the podcast, The Brief, and the founder of Civics with a Q, Marcos Melissa joins us fresh from Alaska. Alaska. Wow. Yeah. And uh, so, first of all, how are you, man? And we want to know about Alaska. Yeah. What's it like? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks. Alaska is a little alien. Feels like the United States because everybody speaks English and everything's in English, mostly. But it is also an incredibly different world. The temperatures there, we got out, my traveling companion and I got out to the wilderness and it was in the minus 38s at one point. So it is an incredible environment. Mark, you wouldn't believe the number of people speaking native languages. It's, and Alaskan native languages sound like nothing else. So again, it has this feeling of being in an alien land because, and I've been to places in Latin America where people try to hold on to their native languages have been stamped out by colonialism. And a lot of times it's ceremonial. It's, it's not an, an integral part of the people's communication. And in Alaska, it was free flowing and people were actually speaking it fluently. And it was part of the sort of culture from Anchorage out to the, some of the places we get out, out in the literally middle of nowhere. So it was at the mountains, everywhere you look, mountains, just majestic mountains. And now we're like with an iPhone camera, you cannot capture mountains, like mountains that never look good. Just like sunsets really never look as good on a camera photo as they do in, in real life. So you couldn't even take it back, but uh, things like it was dark till nine, not pitch black, right? You'd be out nine o'clock in the morning, pitch black sunset was until nine 45. Then you would have a two hour sunset or sunrise, sorry, sunrise. And by two o'clock, the sun would start going down again. So by 3.30, it was pitch black again. It was just absolutely, it was so different than anything else in my experience. And I, I highly recommend that even in the middle of winter, it was an experience. It's like I said, it's like there's places in the world where you go and they're like, okay, this is weird. How does this place exist? And then there's a place like Venice where I get that same feeling. Like, how is this thing even possible? Alaska was like that. And to think that, Humans have been living there for over 10,000 years in those conditions. It's like, it blows my mind. The ingenuity of our species. That's something. And, and actually what I'm watching now, what's popular now is the new, the latest season of true detective on HBO or max, whatever it's called. And it's set in Alaska and it is invoking a great deal of indigenous culture and some of the mystery in, in, in what's going on with the, with the story that's going on there. So it's, yeah, it, it, and it talks about the darkness. So I was, I've been watching that now you are right there in it, in Alaska. So Mark, I would say if anybody is, anybody goes Anchorage museum is quite, I'll say easily the most beautiful museum I've ever been to. And just the curation and the, the displays, just, it's just stunningly beautiful. And they have an entire wing dedicated to 
the, I think it's, I don't know the exact number, but it's about 12, 13 major tribes of Alaska and breathtaking, unbelievably beautiful. The art, the, I don't want to call it fashion, but what they wear, the, the ceremonial garb, what they wear just to survive the cold tools, jewelry, art. It's just absolutely stunning. I don't know if I've ever seen anything as beautiful and it's just rows. You got these rows of displays, one dedicated to each tribe and just absolutely stunning and beautiful. And I don't know if I could have spent enough time in that museum. We ran out of time, but it was amazing. A lot of respect for something I didn't know a lot about. So I'm glad I made a trip. And the travel influences really are infused as soon as you get into the airport and in Anchorage. And, and it really obviously hasn't been that way. Most of these tribes were genocided out by the Russians, by the, the first wave, then the Brits was the second wave. And, and it's a story we've seen all over the country where children were taken away from their families and stuck in Christian boarding schools to, to civilize them. If this was a culture that survived in the harshest conditions for thousands of years, and I still don't understand how it is so freaking cold, Mark. I don't know how anybody would get into a canoe, row out, fight with whales and seals, and then drag them back and somehow then, then extinct themselves. Yet they somehow survived and they thrived until the Russians were the first wave that came in and, and began destroying their culture. So it, it, again, it's the, it's a tragic story, but uh, what survives, it's just, it's just beautiful. And I'm glad the language has survived and it gives me hope. It gives me a thrill, right? To hear people speaking their languages and, and, and I will say that Alaska is one of those places that even native rights is pretty much a bipartisan issue. It's not, hasn't been partisanized as it has in other places in the country. And you alluded to that when last we talked in terms of doing something about the seemingly insurmountable polarization of our really only two partisan ways in this country. You found, and you said this before you went, and that's, I guess that's why you went too, you found yeah. in Alaska <laughs> that both sides, I don't mean to sound like Donald Trump, both sides, but the Republicans and Democrats are actually, they're functioning together for the sake of governing and getting things done, right? Yeah. And it's been several, it's been at least six, six to eight years now where the legislature has been led by committee between the two major parties. And so you have these coalition governments with the with Republicans, with same Republicans, Democrats. And then you have the MAGA minority. So there's literally a MAGA minority, MAGA Republicans, that had been pushed off to the fringe. And I believe in the current House, I think it's four, uh, the House I think is around 30 and that might be 20. I, think it's, I don't know the exact number, I forgot. But uh, literally the majority is everybody but four MAGA Republicans who are like off in the fringes. And the state governs. And even governors, there, there's a... Um, understanding that not everybody gets everything that they want, but there's like a basic foundation that can be delivered and there's compromises to be made. And so I heard, I got a lot of stories and it's not something inherent in Alaska that says, oh, we all get along. Alaska after all gave us Sarah Palin, but it's something that, that both of the key people in both of those parties really set out to build trust. And right now, obviously, there's no trust between the parties in, in D.C. And Mark, I don't trust any Republicans in the lower 50. <laughs> so I don't think I, 
Maybe I trust Liz Cheney. Maybe. But it, it took a while. It took years to get past the need to like dick an elbow in and, and screw over the other party and to realize that it was actually much smoother, much functional for them to work together and handle the low-hanging fruit. They're not, nobody's getting everything they want, but there's no system in which everybody gets everything they want. And in D.C., nobody's getting what they want. So it is a much more functioning system. And I'm trying to understand, I was really trying, like asking questions, even had dinner with a couple of Republicans, really trying to understand how that model might apply to the larger country. And I don't have any answers right now, partly because one of the big factors, not the original factor was just building trust. More recently, within the last two years, Alaska now has ranked choice voting. And for those who don't know what ranked choice voting, it means that instead of a binary choice between you pick one candidate and you walk out of the box, you pick your first choice, your second choice, your third choice, and so on. You rank the candidates. And if your candidate loses, gets knocked out, then your number two, your vote transfers to the number two candidate. So what that means is that in some of these Republican districts, so the Senate minority, the Senate majority leader a couple cycles ago, like four years ago, part of a coalition government, she got primaried and lost in a binary regular system. Then they instituted ranked choice and she came back and she won the second time and she won because Democrats, obviously they made their Democratic candidate number one choice, but then they selected this woman as a number two choice because she's somebody who could work with Democrats and that allowed her to win. And what it does, Mark, not only does it, it punishes ideologues. It really, the candidates that would are more moderate. And I know in some circles, moderate means people get, they get their hackles up because they think, oh, it's Joe Manchin. Joe Manchin's so moderate. Like moderate is just the ability to like actually function as a normal human being with common decency and talk to people and maybe find common ground. Doesn't mean you always find common ground. The Democrats don't give up their ideals. The person who, who really began this process of coalition government was Tom Baggage. Who, uh, whose dad was a governor and senator, whose brother was Mark Begich, the last Democratic senator of Alaska. Tom is, by his regular job, he's a folk musician. He was a hippie. He's the most liberal of liberal people. He never checked his ideals at the door. Literally voted the most liberal on every issue. Yet he was the one who, who created this, this ability for these coalition governments. And again, this is Alaska, he'd be in a minority otherwise. So he'd get nothing. And instead he worked as part of the coalition government and he got a lot accomplished, including some of his own priorities. So it's a very inspirational system. And the other thing it does, Mark, is that in campaigns, people can't trash each other. And this is where Sarah Palin lost the House race and Mary Poltola, a Democrat, holds the Alaska House district is because there was two Republicans in the race and Mary and her two Republicans trashed each other. So it was Sarah Palin, and it was Nick Begich, another Begich, but the dark sheep side of the family. There's a Republican side to the Begich family. And, and they sat there and they, they ripped each other to shreds. And so Mary became the second choice for some of those people, for some of those Republicans. And that's how she won. So it actually encourages a more civil type of politics, which I don't think is a bad thing for the country. So I, I haven't been a strong proponent of ranked choice voting for several reasons that or major reasons, but Alaska's sort of giving me 
reason to reassess how I feel about ranked choice as a possible solution. We had it here in Berkeley and in Oakland. Some of the Bay Area cities in California have it. Vermont has it. Maine, I think. Is it Maine? I think Maine has it. I do. Um, so it's, it's gaining steam in some corners. And I don't know. It might be part of that solution. We're still thinking about it. Yeah. For me, it's just for context. It's, I'm trying to figure out how to become a more civil country. It has to have something. Yeah, yeah, there's got to be. Because otherwise you keep spiraling. And I hear what you're saying about ranked choice in some of these systems. I'm beginning to lean toward the place where it really depends on the locale and the community. Some places it works, some places it doesn't. But the bottom line is, obviously it's something they're doing that they're used to doing. Sometimes it doesn't work when you implement something like ranked choice voting and the first time but takes some getting used to and people yeah. really understanding how to use it. So it's just like everything else people have to, that's good news. But I have to ask you, did, did most, did what all inquiring minds want to know, Marcos, did you see either Sarah Palin or Russia? <laughs> so I actually spent three days in Wasilla, which is Sarah Palin's old, oh, she was near Wasilla. Yeah. Uh, she doesn't live in Wasilla anymore. She lives in Arizona. So she left, she left Alaska a while ago. So everybody thought it was weird that she came back to run for the house in 2022 because she doesn't even live in Alaska anymore. I did find Sarah Palin's biggest fan. He runs a, a store in the, literally in the middle of nowhere on the highway that sells just random crap. It's like a thrift store and, and it's called Wall Mike's. And so Mike had pictures and posters and everything of Sarah Palin everywhere. It was actually quite hilarious. But uh, beyond that, and you know, it's really weird, Mark, is that talking to Alaska Democrats, they said she wasn't bad when she was governor. I'm still can't wrap my head around it. They said that now she wasn't the smartest person, but she was smart enough that she put people that knew what they were doing in charge of departments. So the legislature would work with the department heads. She would make some grand speech, walk out, and then they'd actually work with people who knew what they were doing. And so they're like, she was at least smart enough to know to put people who knew their stuff. And this blew my mind. When she was mayor of Wasilla, her platform was anti-big oil. She was anti-big oil. Drill baby drill was started her career railing against the big oil companies. And that's how oh, she got elected to mayor in her cell for the first time. So it's weird. I, my mind was blown so many times in so many different ways. And I was up there. I was like, you're lying. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> it just did not make sense. It did not compute. Yeah, no, I'm sure that's interesting. Again, folks, a bit of trivia for when you're on Jeopardy. Mark Thompson. So the question will be, who was the first person on national television to comment when John McCain chose Sarah Palin, I would be the answer. And I'll tell you what happened. I was, we knew he was going to make a choice and CNN called me uh, early one morning and said, we want you to react. We don't know who's going to be yet. We just want you sitting in the chair so whoever it is, you can react. <laughs> and then as it got closer, it was clear it was going to be her. So the minute, literally, there was a split screen. The minute she's announced, I'm there to respond. And obviously you all can probably guess what I said. I gave a very harsh response. And I called her a token to try to attract 
women voters to the GOP. Uh, but I'll never forget that. That was a, that was also a weird moment. But glad you got to go to Alaska. That's interesting. I'm intrigued by it. We always, we really expand our horizons, folks, when we are able to travel uh, and see places we've never seen and see other cultures. And I'm also, uh, it's true to the drama series, uh, True Detective. Because mm-hmm. in the drama series, people are speaking their native languages, yeah. mostly. And there's several major parts and players people who are indigenous Alaskans. I will, they- I will do one one bit of travel advice from, we were hoping to see the Northern Lights. We did not, which is one of the reasons we kept going north, trying to see if we, if the further north we got, the greater the chances, but there was, a, there was a full moon. So do not travel during the full moon. You cannot see the Northern Lights during the full moon. And the best time is during the equinoxes. So that would be Dark equinox, you're, lo- you're looking at February, March is the best time to go and just keep an eye on the lunar calendar. And seeing the Northern Lights, <clears throat> I thought they were always up there. I just thought they lived up there in the winter every day. And they were actually a relatively rare phenomenon. So if you had to carve out like a week and then maybe you get lucky and you see it once or twice. There was lots of consolation prices not seeing the Northern Lights, but that's one piece that, that, uh, that was, it's still on my bucket list. I'm going to have to go back, which is not the worst thing because I actually loved it. Once again, folks, uh, Thursday Coast uh, sets benchmarks and precedents. Before you left, we talked about, uh, before you left, we talked about Taylor Swift. Oh, yeah. Now, everybody in the media has picked up the story. And it has been on the cycle for at least the past 48 hours. And they've gone even crazier. They are. Uh, They've lost it. Yeah, in terms of attacking her and singling her out and... It helps that she's going to the Super Bowl. Like she's going, she's not. It looks like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. every time they in the city scored, you thought she scored. But it's it's going there. I mean, it's blowing up in many ways. Yeah, I, and Democrats have a real challenge, struggle turning out young voters yeah. and young women, unmarried women, are very low performing. Higher now because of abortion, but traditionally low performing voter demographic. And so if you're the Republicans, really the last thing you need to be doing is talking about abortion or talking about Taylor Swift. And I do not understand. They are so furious that there's a woman who is self-made, is hasn't gotten married, doesn't seem to be in any hurry to get married, and doesn't give an F about what they think. And they have absolutely lost their minds. And Every time that they do that, they're not just motivating these Swifties. Tens of millions of fans. She's the most successful artist. She's only behind the Beatles and, and Elvis Presley at this point. And assuming her career goes on this continued trajectory, she will be the most successful recording artist of all time. Because she's so young. She's got a lot of years. Assuming she's got it in her. She's got a lot of years of music. And... Why do they keep, it's like a hornet's nest. They keep whacking the hornet's nest and this hornet's nest is going to sting the F out of them. And in December, I wrote a story about it because it was already ridiculous. And I looked at her tour schedule and it's a six week break right before the Democratic convention. So I'm actually hoping that she's speaking at the convention. She's performing at the convention. And then she's going to spend hopefully a couple of weeks doing get out the vote type of stuff. And the week before the election, she'll be in Florida. There's a big Senate race in Florida. Rick Scott is going to be, hopefully we can defeat Rick Scott. It's a long shot race, but it's within the realm of possibility. 
particularly given how abortion is playing and how Ron DeSantis has flamed out. So she could very well be a major factor in the election. So you would think they would shut the F up just to not rile up her base anymore. If you have somebody that it, it, it's a big, remember, Mark, we talked about, I brought this up a lot of times. In the eve of the 2022 election, Joe Biden gave his closing arguments for that election. And everybody said, oh, he should be talking about the economy. Instead, he talked about democracy and the threat that Trump, <clears throat> the Republican Party, is a threat that makes it a democracy. People are like, why didn't he talk about the economy? You don't talk about things that are actually a strength of your opponent. At the time, inflation was high. Why bring attention to inflation? That would have only helped Republicans. This is the same thing. Don't talk about a strength of the Democratic Party. Obviously, Taylor Swift is politically engaged. She can get lots of her people registered to vote and turn them out. Instead, every single day, they are saying Republicans are the enemy of your idol, Taylor Swift. Like, how's that smart? I don't understand what they think they're doing. And then they're talking about, don't worry about Taylor Swift. We got our own influencers like Ted Nugent. <laughs> okay, you go with that. Ted Nugent, get rock. Oh, right. Okay. Taylor Swift has 280 million followers on Instagram. Ted Nugent has, I don't know, I looked it up. It was like 300,000, but okay. Okay. You compare them. <laughs> like they are so triggered by, by Taylor Swift that it's freaking hilarious and they can't shut up about it. That's the part that I don't understand. Just like can't shut up about abortion. They can't shut up about Taylor Swift. And they're doing everything possible to engage, motivate, and churn out one of the hardest demographics to turn out the vote. And they're doing it for us. We don't, have, we don't have to do anything. We're just watching them do it themselves. Yeah. Absolutely and, nuts. And Trump is, seems to be melting down even more. I think E. Jean Carroll took him out. I don't know. She, that shouldn't she really did. Yeah. And <laughs> she's been making the rounds and she's looking and sounding good. You, last time we talked about Nikki Haley too, she's not going to win, but she's still dinging him and we can use her for that. We know Nikki Haley is duplicitous, but as, as long as it works, it, it, it works, but he's really falling apart. It saw it after in his New Hampshire victory speech when he didn't even bother thanking the people of New Hampshire or anybody. It was immediately frothing at the mouth about Nikki Haley. And what a, what a traitor she was for not dropping out. And we talked about it. The victories in Iowa, New Hampshire, they're not strong victories. The mean, he's, oh, solid victory because he won by 30 points. That's not the metric to look at. The metric is he's only winning by 51, 52% of the vote. That means that half of Republicans do not want Donald Trump. And a significant portion of those people of Nikki Haley's supporters say that they won't vote for Donald Trump. Now, most of them will just setting expectations. People are angry in the moment, but partisans will, people, they said that about, Democrats said that about, about Joe Biden, right? Like once Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren, once people, once candidates people actually liked were defeated, they were like, ah, oh, screw Joe Biden. But no, you come home in the end, right? Because you're like, oh crap, look at the opponent. Republicans are no different. But even if a couple points, even a couple handful of those people don't turn out and vote or vote for Biden, it dramatically makes Trump's situation harder. And so again, this is kind of like the Taylor Swift situation. This is abortion. A smart candidate, which is keep going, right? He's going to keep winning these primaries. It don't matter what the percentage is. Just win the primaries. 
Use those as an opportunity to organize and hone your message. But Trump can't, he has no message other than me. And he's not smart. So I sit here calling her bird brain and frothing at the mouth. And again, who are the only swing demographics in the country right now? We've been talking about this for what, four years now. College educated suburban white women. That's it. And here you have Trump calling a woman bird brain. There's no indication, obviously, that Haley is anything but an incredibly smart person. She is an incredibly smart human being. She's wrong on the issues. Nobody says she's not smart. And here he is calling her bird brain. Why? Because she's a woman. And even more so, a woman of color. There's, it, it's, he's not smart. And you see this between that and railing against the, uh, the court cases, the judges. Again, because most of the judges are women, right? So he's just absolutely losing his mind. Fannie Williams, black woman. He's like losing his mind that women, and in large part, women of color, will defer to him as he deems he should be in his own mind. And so there's no message, no coherence. He's just railing against all the perceived injustices. And quite frankly, it's not a very good look for somebody who, obviously not for somebody who's running for office, but in 2016, he caught fire because he was entertaining. He was funny in a way, not in that he was funny, but I understand why people found him entertaining and interesting and fresh and maybe a breath of fresh air from politicians talking like politicians. No, no, he was funny at first. Remember, we laughed at yeah. him because we didn't think he was going to win. So he wasn't yeah. a threat. We yeah. used him to take out Jay, which is hilarious. Low T, low T, yeah. and Cruz with the whole JFK and his father. Yeah. That was hilarious. But yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I just want to make sure people think I, I think he's like, but yeah, you're right. He was funny. He's not that anymore. And that in right wing forums, right? He's just sunk into this pit of despairing grievances. And he's not fun to listen to. It doesn't energize anybody, doesn't rile anybody up, doesn't rep people up. People are leaving his rallies early. Never used to happen. People are leaving his rallies early. He's disrespecting his own supporters. And then he's doing the thing that where he's confusing Nancy Pelosi with Nikki Haley and confusing Obama with Biden. And so now Nikki Haley is talking about his cognitive decline. And so remember last year, everybody was like, oh, Joe Biden, cognitive decline. That was the narrative. Nobody's talking about Joe Biden right now and his issues. And I don't know if maybe Joe Biden has a decline. He's, he's at the age, so perhaps. But we don't need to know because he could happily be like ensconced in the White House while Nikki Haley really takes a bat to, to, to Donald Trump and he can't handle it. So he just spirals even deeper into anger and despair. And today we found out that the finances were released and the Trump campaign spent more money than it raised. It is about $30 million behind Joe Biden's campaign. The his super PACs are bankrolling his legal cases and have spent almost $60 million or between 50 and 60, I forget the exact number, over $50 million on Trump's lawyers, legal cases. So his donors are just paying his legal bills. And that's not a lot of money to focus on Joe Biden and the Democrats. Instead, they're starting to really rip each other apart. And as he goes after Nikki Haley, unsexist terms, he doesn't need to go there, but it's Trump. He can't help himself. He attacks her unsexist terms. It reinforces to that swing demographic that no, Trump is still Trump. In fact, he's even worse than before. 
And Nikki Haley is right now Joe Biden's best surrogate. The Biden campaign is retweeting everything she says. That's actually hilarious. And, we're, and we can do that because nobody thinks Nikki Haley's going to win. They would require, I don't know, maybe Trump drops dead or something. That's the only thing that might change that equation. But this is, Haley is now doing what the entire Republican field should have been doing from the very beginning. This might have been a whole different campaign at that point. Everybody was afraid to take him on. She has nothing to lose now. So she's finally doing that. And it's, uh, look at the poll. They'll say the thing is tied. And in the battleground states, I would say it probably is. But the underlying dynamics are not good for Donald Trump. And all of this, he'll pay the price when the time comes. There, before we go, there was a poll that I just, I think, came out this morning. I want to see. This is Quinnipiac is saying this morning, Biden 50, Trump 44. And again, I don't know how, I don't know how you feel about Quinnipiac or how accurate they are, but we've not seen anything like that as people have been trying to talk about polls and make them dead even, but we got 50, 44 this morning. So, uh, Quinnipiac is one of the best pollsters. Uh, it's probably a top three pollsters. So they're solid. Again, do not put stock in any one poll. Just in civics where we, it's a daily tracking and we've been going the whole time. I think we have it right now. I think it's 45 Biden, 44 Trump. And it's been that way for four months and maybe ties, maybe it goes up a point, maybe it goes down a point. It's pretty much, nobody's really checked in yet. When at the conventions, when it's obvious to everybody there was a different poll, and I forget who the pollster was. I just saw it yesterday. But a huge number of both Democrats and Republicans didn't think that Trump would be the nominee or Biden would be the nominee. There's still this sort of weird belief that, oh, it's a primaries. Who knows who's going to be president? Who's going to be the nominees? People don't have not internalized that yet. So you got to get to that point where you internalize it and say, oh, it really is Biden versus Trump. And that's not going to happen probably to the conventions when both sides really start turning on each other. It might be sooner once Trump clinches or if Haley drops out. But I would not put stock. Great. I'd rather have a poll showing Biden winning. <laughs> so I'll get you wrong. I just think that polling right now is hinky because people really don't think it's Biden Trump. And until really people internalize that, the entire electorate, polling is going to be a little hinky. Yeah, you're right. Conventions are happening. Everybody will check in, especially when Taylor Swift and Beyonce. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know Beyonce at the Democrat. Oh, it's over. If Taylor Swift and Beyonce come to conventions. Oh, my God. Come on. That's come the, on. People talk about what are we going to do? Policy now. Call Taylor Swift and Beyonce. Today. <laughs> Call them yesterday and give them, let them perform and speak. At and the speak. And, and that's, speak. And that's the end of it. Let's just not even play. But, uh, but yeah, man, that, that'll probably wake people up and we'll hope for that. Folks, uh, dailycoach.com, uh, the weekly podcast, the brief, civicswithaq.com. As always, here for Thursday Coast, Marcos Melitzas. Thanks, buddy. Thank you so much. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. As always, perform an act of kindness on behalf of an elder or young person. Write a letter to a sister brother who just so happens to find her or himself incarcerated. Offer libations to the ancestors upon whose sturdy shoulders we all now stand. And above all, give thanks to the God of your understanding by whatever name you call her and him. All God asks of us is that we give each other love. Thanks for giving MIP love. 
And please remember to subscribe and give us a five-star rating. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain.